Well, this morning, I, I just want to get right into the word. And, and I believe God has given me a word for, for this season, for the season we're in. How many of you know where, I mean, Christmas is upon us. I mean, it's Christmas, like next week, next Sunday, we're going to be opening presents and doing all that stuff. And, and I, I love Christmas. I mean, I know Dr. Lynn's favorite holiday is, is Easter, the resurrection of Christ. I love Christmas. I love Easter. But, you know, I give prefer- preference to, to maybe Christmas a little bit, you know. It's the time that we celebrate the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But what's interesting is regardless of your faith, nearly everybody participates in Christmas. It's everywhere we go. We see, we see the poinsettias and we see the decorations. I mean, the, 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 the stores and the retail departments are selling gifts. We're singing songs. I mean, this is the only time of year that the world, they don't even know what they're singing. I mean, it wasn't, when I, when I got saved, I didn't even know that most of the Christmas songs that we sing are just declaring the love of Christ. You know, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. I mean, I'm singing that as a kid, not even knowing what I'm singing, but the world is singing these songs. I mean, it's a time for family celebrations and, and Christmas traditions. I mean, how many of you have your Christmas traditions? I, I love, I love Christmas traditions. I mean, it's a time for Christmas movies. Even, even the Hallmark movies have shifted a little bit. You know, sorry. I, I know. You know, it's the same plot, it's just in the wintertime. You know, that's kind of... Uh, Christmas movies, I mean, I have all my favorite Christmas movies. Christmas stories, wonderful. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, I love this movie. I mean, we've seen Christmas productions. I mean, churches around the world are just telling the story of Jesus. We went to a production at Crossroads Church just, I think that was last week or a week, yeah. It was wonderful, amazing, just a demonstration of God's love and and telling the real Christmas story. I love that, you know. And one of the things is that I really love about Christmas is how many of you, how many of y'all ever heard a Christian say that Jesus is the reason for the season? Have y'all ever heard that before? But I, I mean, I'm not trying to pick on anybody who says that. I'm not trying to, but how many of you know Jesus is not seasonal? I mean, Jesus is the reason for the season, but he ain't seasonal. It's not like we have Jesus during Christmas and he don't have him the rest of the year. He's here for Christmas. He's here for Easter. Come on, he is here throughout the year. Even Halloween, Jesus shows up to Halloween. Jesus is everywhere. He's not seasonal. But but I just want to talk a little bit about Christmas and, and what it really means to me. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, and I think we have those... Um, Verses up on the screen. It'll say this. It says, so all this was done. I mean, think about that. Say, listen, look at your neighbor and say, all this is done. I mean, we have to realize that all of this, everything that we're doing, all the culmination of our Christianity was done, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You see, Christmas isn't just a, a fictional story. It's not just some, some, some stories that we read in the Bible. Come on, Christmas is a representation of what God has done so that way he could be with us. In fact, Jesus came to be with us. And this is an important thing that we need to remember. 
We read the stories of Jesus' birth. I love reading these stories. You know, there are stories in, 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 in Matthew and the stories in Luke about the birth of Jesus. And these are stories of events that took place 2,000 years ago. I mean, they were in a far off land, in a culture that's wholly unfamiliar to us. I mean, it was totally different, different time, different place, different people. I mean, the, the, it was just a little bit different. And we hear, we hear stories about angels and shepherds and, and wise men and Mary and Joseph. I mean, we hear this, this story about a savior, the Messiah being, being born in a manger. I mean, I don't even, it's like people preach whole messages on what a manger is because I mean, we don't even live in that world anymore. But I feel, I feel like sometimes we read these stories and we, we see the plays and we see all the little kids dressed up in Christmas outfits and we see Mary walking through and riding on a donkey and we, we see all these things and we create some image in our mind that simply isn't what really took place. I mean, these aren't just stories in a book that we can read to our children, although it's good to share and read these stories to our children. But I mean, these were, these were moments where power was transitioned from, from the realm of darkness into the realm of, of light. Jesus didn't just come to give us a, a festival to celebrate and a reason to buy gifts for one another. When he was the gift... He was the one who came to be with us. This is why we celebrate Christmas. I mean, I feel like all these stories are just so disconnected from our lives today. I mean, even unbelievers, they, they, they want to join in the fun. So they create things like Santa Claus. I'm not trying to pick on Santa, but I mean, how many of you know it's just that's how disconnected our culture is from the truth of Christmas? Well, we, we do things and, and, and we create things. We try to tell stories. It's like we have Santa Claus. We have Easter bunnies. And, and it's just we get disconnected from who it is. But I want to talk a little bit today about the story of Christmas and, and look at it from a little bit of a different perspective than maybe you're used to. I, I'm not going to try to, to just contextualize and bring it all to so, so you can understand all the, all the, the, the depth and detail of every character. But, but I want you to understand who these people were. They were people. They were real characters. They were real people. Mary walked on the earth. She was a real woman that, that had to deal with a real challenge. Joseph was a real man. Come on, King Herod, the wise men. These shepherds were real people who God used to change the world. But of all of these people, they all had a story. They all received Jesus differently. I want you to just begin to think about that. How, how these different characters that we read about received the knowledge that Christ, the Messiah, was coming. It wasn't like they were just characters in a play. Whenever an angel visited Mary, it wasn't like she's just reciting some, some book that she read about what to say when the angel comes and says that you're going to be with child of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a real person dealing with a real situation that was really challenging and had to do some things by faith that most of us here in this room would walk away from. I want to talk about how Jesus was received then. I want to talk about how Jesus is received now. 
when the stories of the Bible aren't just there so we can come and celebrate and have a good time. It's there so we can change our life, change our perspective, change our destiny. The Bible is written and Jesus has come that we can be new creations in Christ. Where once I was broken and selfish, where once I, I mean, I was an addict and lived in dark places and homeless and, and the only person I ever thought about was me. And then Jesus came and changed my life. I didn't care about joining a church or becoming part of a small group. Come on. I wanted to be at the altar and allow the transforming power of Jesus to impact every part of my being. This is who Jesus is. Some of you here today are still walking around in bondage, still walking around in brokenness, still walking around in unforgiveness. Let Jesus touch your life. In Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 35, and then verse 38, again, we'll have these verses on, on the screen. It says, and then the angel said to her, talking about Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name. Y'all know his name? Okay, when I go like this, that means I want you to say the next word, okay? Just from now on, just that's how it's going to go. So I'm going to go back. So, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name. Jesus. Excellent. And, and, we, and he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. I don't know if we read right past that kind of stuff. Holy smokes. This is an angel. I mean, this is powerful. Most of what we know of who Jesus is, is found within these verses of scripture. The revelation that God gave to Mary and she passed on to Luke and to Matthew and to John. It began to define and create their theology. They knew Jesus, but more than just his earthly confines to the flesh of a human. And they began to realize that Jesus was the son of God. His kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? She was a, a virgin. And the, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Then Mary said in this verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Today, I just want to take a moment and look beyond the, the children's plays and the movie productions. I want to look at the life of a real people, of real people with a real baby and a real savior. This is not a fictional story. They're not events that took place in isolation halfway across the globe. I mean, this was a woman who was Mary, who was just encountered by an angel. I want to just give a little bit of context for, for a moment, if that's okay. We've got time and we've got food. We're feeding you lunch. My point is, is that Mary was a real person, probably 12, 13 years old. And, and during that time, 
Mary, it says that she was betrothed. That's a fancy word for, for engaged. And, and this was a different world. It wasn't like Joseph was some kind of grave robbing dude that was a carpenter and saw this young 12, 13-year-old girl and said, man, that's the one I'm going to marry. No, this was in a culture of arranged marriages. So Mary, she's, she, she is set up. Her, her family has put a dowry out. They have, they have extended her. They have said, look, you can have my daughter to be the wife of Joseph. And, and I mean, their, their whole families would come together. They would make one family. There was a lot of promise on Mary's life. There was a lot of expectation on Mary's life. And she didn't want to mess it up. I mean, she wanted to make sure and get this right. She wanted to do the right thing. She wanted to make her mommy and her daddy proud of her. I mean, Mary was a woman of, it says in the Bible that she was a woman of integrity. She was a woman that was capable and willing to carry the presence of God within her womb. Oh man, I can preach on that. I will just give me a minute. Uh, but, but you know, and, and it was in this state, she was like a real young lady. I mean, could you imagine a 12, 13, 14 year old girl that has all of her life planned, everything laid out. She's got her husband. She's got all this stuff and she's visited by an angel in the night. I mean, we just discount that like some kind of crazy story, but it's not. It's really happened. And, and this angel come and says, Mary. You're going to conceive of the Holy Spirit. You're going to become pregnant even though you've never known a man. God is going to birth something in you that's going to be supernatural. It's going to be powerful. And Mary had a decision to make by faith. Now, we look at the, of course, you know, we have the, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. It's like it's an easy decision. Who in the world wouldn't say yes to that proposal? I challenge you today that God's told y'all to do things that are much simpler than that. And you said no to it. I mean, God has called me, go talk to this person in the mall. And I'm like, well, Lord, what if they, what if they look at me funny? What? Oh my goodness. Can I do that? He is saying, God, Mary, God is telling Mary to rearrange your entire life plans, everything that was laid out for you and say yes to me. Say yes to the possibility of ridicule, of insult. In matter of fact, saying yes to the possibility of being put out by your own husband to come. How are you going to explain this, Mary? I mean, think about that conversation. I mean, you know, Mary's walking around, kind of starting to look a little bit about where I'm at right now. This is about the three or four month belly. Mary, you're putting on a little weight. Oh, well, actually, I was impregnated by the Holy Ghost, and I'm now carrying the Son of God in my womb. Okay, we're going to check you into a psychiatric hospital. She wasn't worried about ridicule or what other people said. She knew the experience that she had and she knew that God had touched her life. She had more assurance of what God was doing than what man might say. 
And I feel like as the church, we are faced with that same conundrum, with that same challenge that Mary was faced with. God wants to birth something new within his church. He wants to birth something powerful within his church. He wants each and every one of you to carry the presence of God. You see, Mary can carry Jesus because she was pure in heart. She was holy. She was righteous. She had got it right. She did the right thing. And that was a vessel with which God could put himself. You see, today, church, I believe that God is looking for a vessel that he can put his presence in to take into the rest of the world. You see, on your own, it is impossible. But with Christ, all things are possible. Come on, all of us are, are born again, believers in Jesus. Whenever you, whenever you give your life to Jesus, behold, it says, behold, all things, old things pass away. All things become new. Come on, so many of us as born, a bit, born again Christ followers are covered in the precious blood of Jesus. You are now a vessel worthy to carry his presence. Jesus said, I'm going away that I can send another, the comforter, who will be with you. He will be in you. He will be there inside of you, the Holy Ghost. So many of us today are like, man, I don't know if I want to carry the Holy Ghost. What will people say? They might hear me praying in tongues. They, they might see me. What's that? What's that there? Oh, they're going to talk about you anyway. That's right. That's such a good response. I had to come. They're going to talk about you anyway. I mean, people are, are, are less concerned about their reputation as being cruel and mean and a whoremonger than they are about being a Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, born again believer that quit smoking, quit drinking, quit, quit living a life of sin. Just because you listen to Chris, you're more worried about pe what people might say if they hear Caleb on your radio. Well, you are born at Jesus' ask. He said, let me come and live in you. Come on, Emmanuel is not just what happened 2,000 years ago. Emmanuel is still happening today. He is God with us. He is God in us. He is looking for a vessel like Mary that would say yes to him. Regardless of what that looks like. I mean, what about Joseph. You know, Joseph, uh, I mean, we read the story. He was a carpenter. And Joseph was also, he, he had a dream. And because obviously men are so busy, we're working so hard, we always got something to do. In order for God to speak to Joseph, he had to wait till he was sleeping. That's why it says that your old men will dream dreams, your young men will have visions. Why? Because men are too concerned about the things of the world by their very nature than they are about the things of God. So Joseph, he gets put to sleep. He has a dream. He's visited by an angel in his dream. And he says, Joseph, your wife-to-be is going to be pregnant, but it's not with another man. Come on, it's, it's by me. Accept her. Take her in. I mean, this was disturbed. It says that Joseph woke up disturbed. He woke up. I Cajunized that one. Sometimes it slips out. It's okay. But, but, but Joseph, he woke up. I mean, this is a real, this is a real problem, Doc. I mean, think about this. I mean, we, again, we tell a story. It's not like Joseph had a script. 
It's not like he had the book of Luke to go and read. It wasn't like he had Matthew to go and read, but he had to make a decision. What is he going to do? Oh my goodness, my wife is going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and she's going to become one of them crazy Holy Ghost Christian people that's at church every single day. Am I going to put her out? Am I going to just divorce her quietly? This is Joseph. Come on, I believe that we live in a world today. Come on, y'all know this. I heard this statistic. This is crazy. I haven't verified it, but it was from a very reputable source. A statistic that 70% of babies born in America today are born outside of wedlock. And we wonder why we're shooting up schools and, 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 and churches because so many kids are growing up without a father. We live in a fatherless society. It's a pandemic on the earth today. It's a problem. And you see, Joseph was dealt, had to deal with a difficult situation. I'm sure Joseph wanted his picture-perfect situation. He says, okay, I'm betrothed to this girl, Mary. She's hot. She's got a nice family. I could talk about all that. I believe that Mary and Joseph were rich until they decided to get married. Then they became poor. They made a decision of abject, of object poverty to carry out the calling of, of God on their life. Oh, that's a whole nother teaching, but it's a good one. But Joseph had these plans. He's like, man, I'm going to get this dowry. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get married. I'm going to buy me a new boat. I'm going to buy me a new RV. I've got already got plans on my hunting camp. I'm already working on my deer stand. I mean, life is going to be perfect for us. It's going to be great. She's going to cook me some gumbo and some jambalaya. I'm going to teach her how to make her own boudin and cracklings. It's going to be amazing. This was the life that Joseph had in mind. And then he had a dream and he woke up to find out that his engaged wife to be was pregnant by the Holy Ghost. I mean, I'm a pastor. Been to Bible college and stuff. That's weird. I mean, it's just weird. Like, think about that. I, I mean, this isn't like, this. there's no counseling. For, I mean, think what their, their marriage counselor said. Uh, Joseph and Mary, they're sitting there. They're like, well, Mary, she's like, well, I'm, I'm pregnant, you know, and I'm going to have a baby. Whoa, okay, man. I, I mean, it, well, but it's, it's of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph's like, yeah, I had a dream, and, and they said, it, yeah, the angel of the Lord visited me in a dream and said it was of, the, it was of God. Uh, has anybody ever been to marriage counseling? Like, you're going to get challenged on that one. <sighs> Joseph had to make a decision that wasn't convenient. I mean, Joseph had to decide in that moment if he was going to let all of his dreams, all of his hopes, everything that he had planned go to be obedient to the Lord. See, I believe Joseph, he, he, he was the reluctant but obedient father. You see, dads, husbands, we don't have to have it all together. Well, at the end of your life, you're not judged on your possessions. You're judged by your obedience. Well, Joseph was an obedient. He, he said, I lay down my life, my hopes, my ambitions, my reputations to follow after what I believe God is doing in my life. 
Come on, so many people today. I mean, I'm again, I just deal with it in church. There's, there, there, there's women who get saved and so many men, so many husbands that say, you know what, I don't want to have nothing to do with that church stuff too much for me. I, I want to challenge you men, embrace it. If I had my notes in front of me right now, I've got a note on my notes that says, don't rant, Joe. Right now, it's on my notes. Because I can just lay into some men right now. And I won't. So I'm going to go back to my notes and not rant. I'm going to be obedient. But it's time for men to suck it up. It's time for men to get over themselves and begin to walk in the high and holy calling that God has placed on their life. It, come on, this, this world isn't about how much stuff you can accumulate. Well, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. No one's going to say, oh, okay, I'm going to rant a little bit. There's nobody on anybody's gravestone that says he had the biggest wheels on his 4 by 4 truck. But instead of, or he had the fastest boat in the lake. I mean, and look, and I've talked to men. They will totally justify that. Well, we got to hurry up and get to the fish before anybody else can. So I need a boat that'll do 85 miles an hour. Anyway, okay, don't rant, Joe. Don't rant, Joe. I, I, I want to just, I mean, what about the wise men? How many of y'all heard the story of the wise men? I mean, it's like these... It's these guys who, they come from the east and we see the stories. They're, they're walking with their little gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I mean, they're dressed in highly ordained clothing and they're walking and, and they're following this star in the, that, the, a star in the, in the sky over the, the town of Bethlehem. I mean, these guys were wise men. I mean, they were the ones who, man, the wise men confirmed. Now let me, let me just contextualize a little bit. When the Bible, was written and all of this stuff was documented was probably the first time that anybody had ever heard of the wise men. It wasn't like they had a chronicle called the Chronicle of the Wise Men. There wasn't a wise man newspaper. They didn't have a wise man Facebook page. These wise men didn't confirm anything. This is a story that was told after the fact. It's important that we understand this because a lot of times we hear teachings like, oh, the Messiah was confirmed by the presence of the wise men. No, he wasn't. He was confirmed by the presence of God. That's how he was confirmed. But I believe that today in our church, there's so many people who come to church, they come to Jesus as wise men. When they come from far off lands, from far off perspectives, you see, this is the beauty or the lack of beauty of the wise men was that they brought gifts, they brought honor, they brought songs, they brought all this stuff, but then they went back to their house when they were done. They didn't carry the vision. They didn't carry the presence. They didn't carry the hope of a savior back to the land that they came from. And so many of us are just satisfied with coming to church. We'll bring our gifts. We'll put on our fancy clothes. We'll even use our spiritual awakeness to, to, to say, oh yeah, Jesus is good. Come on. I mean, these wise men were actually people. They weren't reading on a script. Well, they, they were they were people who came and they came and brought gifts to Jesus, but they failed to recognize that the very Messiah wasn't just the Messiah of Israel. Come on, he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. 
But so many people say, man, oh, I love church. I love Jesus. I'll come do the thing. I'll bring the clothes and the, and all this other stuff. But that's not what Jesus is interested in. It's not what he's looking for when he's looking to transform your life. Don't come to him as a wise man. Come to him as a shepherd. I, I want to just close here this morning with a view in the perspective of the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. To all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told, concerning, told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I, I just want to wrap up today with this idea of who these shepherds are. We, we lose focus again because, and I'm not knocking kids' plays, but we usually see a few little kids. They're kind of walking around with their shepherd's hooks and maybe they have some sheep. If it's a good play, they'll have real sheep. And they're walking and the angel comes and they go to Bethlehem. And man, that's not like it's not true, but I think we lose focus. We lose sight of who these shepherds are. You see, God didn't send angels to the Pharisees. God didn't send angels to the temple. He didn't send angels to the religious elite. He sent the news of the Savior to the shepherds. Why? Why? I want to just bring a little context for you this morning. You see, these shepherds were around the town of Bethlehem, which is where Jesus was born. Bethlehem's probably just maybe five miles or so from, from Israel. Dennis and Mary, now, have y'all been to Bethlehem? Y'all didn't go in? Yeah, but it's close. It's close to Jerusalem. So, so these shepherds, this is where they are. They were the shepherds that were close to the town of, of Jerusalem. And this is significant because they were shepherds. And you see, just, just to bring a little context, just before that, probably 50 years, there was a man, his name was Herod the Great. And he was, he was made the king over all 
of that region, the region of, that we call Judah and Israel, that whole region, Herod the Great became the king. And he was Jewish by his, by his, like his, his DNA. And, and this was, this was in a time whenever, whenever the Greeks had, had, had lost power and the Romans had come into power and they had appointed this man, Herod the Great, over to be, to be the king over that region. And Herod said, you know what I want to do? I, I want to begin to bring back our identity. I want to bring back our roots. I want to do something great for God. So he built a temple. Y'all know where he built it? What? You know where he built the temple? In, in Jerusalem. And Herod began to do the work. He said, I want to begin to offer sacrifices. I want to begin to reinstate the religious. I want to see revival break loose in the land. I want to see God move amongst us. So Herod the Great, he has this plan. He builds a temple. And he says, we're going to begin to reinstitute the sacrifice in the temple. So, so what does he do? He has to, impl- I mean, you can't just go. It wasn't like you can go on Amazon and buy sheep. I don't know if you can do that today. I mean, I haven't looked. Josh, have you seen? I mean, have you, I, you probably haven't looked. But, but he said, no, we, we're going to have to begin to raise sheep that are worthy for the sacrifice in the temple. So what does he do? He hires some shepherds because that was the role of the shepherds in Bethlehem. You see, David, the king, he was a shepherd in the town of Bethlehem. And he didn't just watch after the sheep. See, the sheep were very useful. They were, they, they would, they would raise sheep for wool. They were raised sheep for, for, for meat. They would raise sheep for milk. I mean, this was a powerful thing. Sheep were very useful, but these particular sheep weren't necessarily being raised for that purpose because these were the sheep of Bethlehem. These were the sheep of David's roots. These were the shepherds that had a high and holy calling to raise up sacrifices to make before God in the temple. You see, these were the shepherds that God revealed himself to. Why? Because they had a unique perspective on what perfection looked like. You see, these sheep from, I mean, these shepherds from a very early age, they can look at a sheep and say, oh yeah, this one's going to be perfect. And they would begin to sing songs to it. They would begin to put oil on its head and anoint it to keep the, to keep the flies and the ear ticks and all that stuff off of it to protect its wool. So when they brought that sheep through the sheep gate into the temple to make sacrifices for the sins of the people, the, these shepherds, these were the ones who did it. These weren't just any shepherds. They weren't just like cattle farmer. But these were shepherds that were uniquely called to raise sheep for the sacrifices of God. They had a unique eye. They, they knew a sheep that was without spot or blemish. You see, these were the shepherds that would raise up the sheep that they would bring and then the priest would lay his hand upon that sheep or that goat. And that would, that would bear the sins of the entire nation and it would go out into the wilderness as a scapegoat. You see, these shepherds understood what it meant to be prepared for a sacrifice. They weren't just some rough, rowdy shepherds. But they were there to tend to the sheep. The sheep that was perfect, blameless, worthy of accepting the sins of a nation. 
And these were the ones who were tending those sheep. And, and oftentimes they would sing songs. They want to keep the sheep at peace. They want to keep the sheep at bay. I can't help myself. The, these, these shepherds, they saw things differently. Man, such a beautiful... David was a shepherd. And they, they would bring these sacrifices. They'd bring these sheep. And you know, the, there's nothing wasted. In, 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 the, in the sheep. Their skins, as a matter of fact, they would, they would burn the, the flesh. They would take the skins and they would make drums for worship. They would take the intestines because the intestines were real elastic and they would twist them and shape them and form them, the intestines of the sacrificial sheep around harps and lyres. And they would pluck them. And literally when they would play that harp, the sacrifices would cry out. In heaven. These were the sheep. I mean, these were the shepherds that God said, Let me tell you what just happened. He said, There's something that's different. There's something that's changed. There's something that's unique. He said, This day, there was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world was born in Bethlehem. You see, God needed someone not to come and judge what he had done. He needed someone to come and verify what he had done. And when these shepherds came, they had this unique perspective of identifying a, 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 a worthy sacrifice. And they looked upon Jesus and they began to worship. And they began to say, this is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. This is the lamb that can take away the sins of Israel. This is the lamb. We can leave our careers behind. This is the one that God has sent for us. Worship team, come on. Come on, I, I believe. I believe that that needs to be our response. I mean, I love Christmas. I, I love what God has done, but what God has done in Christmas, he sent his son Jesus to die as a sacrifice for us like that sacrificial lamb that was made the atonement for the sins of a nation, Jesus was sent to be slain for our, sin, for our sins and for our salvation. This is how the, the shepherds responded in worship. They responded in sharing everything that God had done. They responded by singing. They began to sing glory to God in the highest. They begin to sing with the angels goodwill towards men because God has provided a perfect sacrifice for us. This is, this is the challenge for this morning. And this is our altar call. How We know how they responded. Mary responded by faith. She laid down her very life and reputation to carry the presence of God into the earth. She lived a life of poverty and sacrifice so that way we can know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Joseph was a man who God spoke to, but he laid down his reputation. He laid down his comforts. He laid down the life that I'm sure he wanted. Why? So that way he can be obedient to the call of God on his life. We know that the wise men responded by bringing gifts. They responded by coming and doing the work to make it to Jerusalem. 
We know Herod the Great. I didn't talk about him today, but he responded in jealousy. Come on, there's some, there's some people who say, man, that Jesus bunch, this church bunch, they got too much power, too much authority. Or they try to use Jesus to elevate their own influence. Maybe if I get saved, I mean, I've seen, I've seen business people put Jesus on their business just so they can get more business. Repent of that if that's you. Give your heart to Jesus in a genuine way and let him bless you through his overflow. Come on, we saw the response of the shepherds who said, worthy is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Worthy is he who came to set me free, to change my life, to give me hope, to give me grace. Well, this is the God that we serve. How will you respond? I mean, maybe, maybe you're listening to me today and you know that God has put a calling on your life. I, I remember 15 years ago, God told me, I, I mean, he said, Joe, sell everything you have. Take the few things you have left, pack them in a U-Haul because your wife is supposed to go to Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas. I had just gotten a promotion at work. But I'll say this, obedience is better than disobedience. I know that's not the Bible. It says obedience is better than sacrifice, but I'm going to tell you that obedience is better than disobedience too. Well, there's some of you who have a calling on your life. You're saying, I don't want to give up my career. I don't want to give up all these promises. I don't want to give up my time. Man, it's going to take too much. I, I, I want to say, listen, how are you going to respond to the news of Jesus? Like Mary, like Joseph, like Herod, like the wise men. I'll come bring gifts. That's good. I'm just going to come bring my tithe to the church. I'll, I'll even dress up and put on a suit, but I'm going back to my life. Joe, just leave me alone. I'm doing my part. That's not good enough. But we need to respond like the shepherds who fully devoted themselves to the sacrifice and worship of a holy God. How will you respond? This is how I'm going to respond this morning. A simple way. The same way that the shepherds worshiped and they gave glory and praise to Jesus. I want to just give worship and glory and praise to Jesus. I just want to worship him. That's really all that God is expecting from us. So could we stand together this morning? I've invited the worship team to come. And I just want to take some time. We're going to take the next four or five minutes well, just the next four or five minutes, I just want to give some praise to Jesus. Come on, just as, well, right now, if you, on this Christmas season, well, don't worry about pleasing your kids or your family necessarily. Don't worry about the gifts and the decorations. Don't worry about all the, the people who may say something. Come on, I just want you to put our full focus and attention on Jesus this morning. So that's what we're going to do. I want to open up these altars. I, I, just to those who are faithful and obedient, who just say, I want to respond like the shepherds. I just want to give some praise to Jesus this morning. 
And I want to open up these altars to you just to give an opportunity for you to do that. So we're going to worship for the next five minutes or so. And then I'm going to come back and close this in prayer. But if you need to just make a release of praise in your life, maybe you've been thinking like Mary and and just focused on the challenges. Maybe you've been like Joseph and far from God. Maybe you're like Herod or the wise men. Come on, today, would you be like a shepherd? Would you just come and worship God with us in spirit and in truth? Come on, the altars are open. We're going to worship for the next four or five minutes, and then we're going to come back and pray. Amen.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, can we just extend our hands this morning to heaven? Lord, we thank you, Father, for your for sending you your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for saving us, for setting us free. Lord, that in this Christmas season, Lord, Lord, let it not be a season in our life, but Lord, let it be a setting. Lord, let this joy, this peace, this hope that we have not quickly fade away. But Lord, let it be upon our hearts and upon our lips everywhere that we go. Lord, I thank you for the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. I thank you for these shepherds, Lord, that you have sent as a testament and a testimony of your goodness and grace. Lord, that these shepherds recognized the one who is worthy. So Lord, we recognize you today. We thank you for it, Jesus. Lord, and we give you the glory and we give you the honor and we give you the praise. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, this is what I want to do. I just want to give the Lord a loud shout of praise this morning. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, he is worthy. 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 He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, how many of you are thankful for Jesus? Man, I I love Jesus. Now here's here's what's fun. Come on, we get to have this moment. I believe with angelic, with the angelic, this moment of confirmation. And then we get to go like the shepherds and spread the love of Jesus throughout our community. It didn't say they just, they were there at the fields, they went and saw Jesus and they went back to their fields. No, it says that they went and told everybody about Jesus. So we're going to get to do that here. We get to live it out here this morning. Amen as we go Christmas caroling. Listen, if you need prayer, I'm going to encourage you, invite you just to stay and pray. We have altar ministry workers. They'll, they'll meet with you, find one of them. They'll have a badge on. They'll pray with you. If they don't have a badge on, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I, I just, I got most, most of my problems solved. I don't have that one done yet. But anyway, if you need prayer, stick around and pray. If, if you don't, I want to invite you. If you're coming caroling with us, just go ahead and make your way over into the living room, check out your kids, get your kids checked out. Please also listen, there's going to be a lot of people in there eating. If you have kids, try to keep them kind of close to the table. You know, I know we have a tendency to let them run around, just kind of be a parent. Amen. Amen. Y'all be blessed. We'll see y'all in just a few moments. We'll be ahead. We're leaving, leaving here at 1 p.m. to go caroling. 1 p.m. Amen. Amen.